Welcome to Passion Life Church. This morning, I want to talk to you about how you're still going to get there. Say this with me. Say, I'm still going to get there. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. And while you're turning there, you know, I think all of us have goals. All of us have dreams. Anybody have some dreams that you have not yet seen come to pass? Anybody have some goals that, um, that you are, are shooting for? I think we all have, have those. And, you know, um, we all have whether you believe it or not, a God-ordained purpose and destiny. You are not here just because your mom met your dad and they came together and you were born. No, actually the Bible says that he knew you even before you were born. That's very powerful. And he purposed you to be here right in this time. You know, I always tell people and they think I'm a little crazy, but I actually see myself as a historic figure purposely put here in this time to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And the same for you. God has purposed you in this moment. You could have been born in any moment of your in time, but you know what? You are here right now, and we are getting ready to usher in the King of Kings as he comes back for the second time. Come on, he's coming back, and God thought that you, and it would be important that you, your personality, your DNA, your gifts, that he would put right here in July of 2019. It's no, it's no accident, and you have a God-ordained destiny, but I, I tell you, even though you have that, how many of you realize that obstacles happen in our lives, right? Obstacles come our way, storms rises, there's unexpected challenges, and I don't know, maybe you didn't get the contract that you thought you were going to get. It didn't pay as much as you thought it was going to pay. You didn't get the promotion that you thought you were going to get. Or maybe, you know, one of those obstacles for you is you've lost a, a loved one. And I'll tell you what, in life, I'm going to be really honest with you, it's real easy to get discouraged. Can I hear a good amen? I mean, it's so easy. It, it, it's so easy to, to just to get discouraged. And uh, you can begin to think that, man, it's never going to happen. I'm never going to get there. But yet God doesn't make promises and then change his mind. God doesn't give you a dream and then take it back. Can I hear a good amen today? God, he doesn't put a dream in your heart and then take it back. And so what I wanted to do today with our time together is I wanted to look at some people's lives in the Bible who stepped into their destiny and despite the challenges they faced, they got there. And I think that's what I love about the Bible is we can look into people's lives, we can see their mistakes, we can see their successes, and we can learn from them. And uh, I just want to highlight some principles and maybe some characteristics that they had that got them there, and I think we can learn from that. Uh, before we just dive into Exodus chapter 14, let me just give you a little history. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt for, I mean, hundreds of, of years and literally slaves, but God freed them miraculously. He brought the plagues on the, on the Egyptians because God will go to any length to free you. He wants you to be free. He wanted his children to be free and they were free. And God had a promised land. Let me, let me put it this way. God had a destiny that he wanted them to fulfill. He wanted them to go to a place that was flowing with milk and honey. Just like you, he wants you to get into that divine destiny that he has for you. But as they were freed from Egypt and as they were walking to their promised land, something happened. 
Their enemies started to attack them. The, the Egypts came after them. And then in front of them, there was a huge obstacle called the Red Sea. And what do you do? What do you do when there's a promise? And what do you do when there's an obstacle in front of you and you've got people putting pressure behind you? Let, let's look and let's see what we can learn today. Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. Are you awake this morning? And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us like this to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. It's interesting to me how people can forget so quickly the things that God has done for them. God miraculously, miraculously freed them. How many of you, God has done at least one miracle in your life? Let me see your hand. I mean, he's done just at least one miracle. And here, can I just tell you, if, if he's done it, he can do it again. And God can do even exceedingly abundantly above all you can even ask or think or even imagine, the Bible says. But here's, here's the reality. We need to remember the miracles, and they forgot the miracles. They're actually saying it's better to be a slave because what they were doing Listen, when you don't have a vision of the future, you will always go back to your past. If you don't have a vision of what's in front of you, you will always be thinking of what's behind you. Come on, I'm preaching good already this morning. And they actually said these, listen, listen to their mindset, slave and die. That's not what God's promise was for their life. It was not to be a slave or to die. The promise that God had for them was to live an abundant life in the land flowing with milk and honey for them, and that's what God has for you. We've got to change our mindset this morning. Come on, somebody. It's interesting to me, but that's what can happen when you forget what God has done. Listen, God has done so much in your life. You are here in church in California when it's hot as hell outside. Can I say that in church? I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful when I go outside, I am not going to hell and I'm going to heaven because this is nothing like that. But you're in church today. You may not be where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. And I'm going to tell you why. It wasn't just your willpower. It was God's grace, like we sang today, that was in your life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I, I need to remind, but they, they, they forget about that. How quick they forget. For it would have been better to serve the Egyptians than that which we would die in the wilderness. Verse 13, watch. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again no more forever. And the Lord will fight for you. Woo, Overcomer series. And you shall hold your peace. Watch verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Let me say that again. Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Verse 16, but lift up your rod, Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Watch this. Listen to verse 16, but lift up your rod, Moses. God always puts something in our hand that we can use. 
you may think that your natural gift to do something is not natural, it's actually supernatural. And what I've learned is God always puts something in your hand that you can use to do miracles. For me, people always ask me, they're like, I don't understand how you can stand up in front of people and just talk. And listen, I have a gift to do it. It's it's not a big deal to me. Uh, But I will tell you this, uh, in all that I do, it's not me. It's the gift that God has given me. And you all have a gift just as well. But what's important is God is actually telling Moses, will you stop crying and stop? You don't even need to pray about this. You already have something. I've put something in your hand that you can use to do miracles. And that is a rod. And so he says, stretch out the rod. But see, sometimes we don't want to stretch out because we want to be comfortable. We want to stay here. But he had to stretch that rod out. And the Bible says that when he stretched it out, here's what happened. The sea parted. That's pretty amazing. And so watch this. The children of Israel have a promise. The children of Israel have a promise. And they are headed towards that promise, but there's obstacles in front of them. And then there is the Egyptians in the back. And here's the first characteristic that I see of people who are growing and who are going to get there. They keep moving forward. They keep moving forward. You know, this is one characteristic that I see in a lot of people that I admire. I'm always amazed how they keep moving forward. You know, I had somebody ask me this last week, had a conversation with someone, and they said, hey, Phil, so, you know, how, how, how's your week going? I think it's funny because when people ask you those things, you never know how much information they really want. Are they being polite? Are they being courteous? You know, have you ever had somebody like ask you like, hey, they'll, they'll walk by and they're like, how you doing? And they walk on and you're like, well, I, I'm doing pretty good. Did you really want to hear my answer? Or? And I, I didn't know. I mean, but I figured, well, you asked me how I was doing, so I'm going to tell you. I said the last two weeks have been absolutely crazy for my life. And they just kind of looked like, <laughs> they, they knew I was going to divulge some information. But I said, you know, the last two weeks have been crazy. It started when we walked into our laundry room and we saw water on the floor. And I thought my son spilled something. So Gavin, he's eight-year-old, come on in here. Did you spill that? No, Dad. Are you lying? Because if you lie, right? Liar, liar. Pumpkin eater, is that what it says? Liar, liar, pants on fire. No, dad, I was all right. Then we noticed at the top of the frame of our laundry door, there was water coming down. So we thought it was our pipes. But when we bought our house, we had an inspection and the guy said, you have good pipes. And so we were turning on the shower, seeing if it stopped. And then we turned off the air conditioner. We realized that the air conditioner was leaking. And so that, this is about 9.30 at night, so we called somebody, right? And uh, we called an AC guy. He referred us to a plumber. The plumber comes over, our condensate line. Now, I'm going to sound real technical, but it's just because I learned this. I have no idea what I was talking about before I called the plumber. But this is how you learn. Our condensate line was clogged, so he unclogged it. But then he went up into our attic, and he said, the, there's a, a pan, or there's this, like, thing that this, he called it, like, a pan that's supposed to catch water if that happens. But that was bent, and so water is leaking in your attic and down to your laundry room. And I said, well, praise the Lord. 
And he said, so I'm going to call some guys that I know. Uh, they're licensed and bonded, and uh, they're going to come in, and they'll come in tomorrow. And they're going to have to rip out all this sheetrock, and they're going to have to bring in their fans, and they're going to have to. And I said, well, let's, let's get it done. And so they brought their fans in, and for five days, we had these, like, airplane engine fans in our house. Did I tell you? For five days, 24 hours, I felt like I had jet lag in our house. You know, <laughs> somebody's like, did you feel the earthquake? No, we had fans in our house. That our whole house was shaking the entire time because there was moisture in our walls, right? And so then we're calling the insurance company to see if they're going to cover it. What do you mean? Is that even a question if you're going to cover it? Right? So we're getting the contractors and contractors are coming in my house. Oh, and by the way, my son's home from school and he needs attention, right? How many of you are praying that School starts earlier. Okay, so anyway, I'm totally kidding. We love our kids. And so, like, when is school going to start? I need to check my calendar again. And he needs attention, right? And so all this is happening. And then, you know, what's interesting is that this same week, uh, my wife comes and says, hey, uh, the Jeep's making noise. Um, I think that we need to check it out. So we take it to the, the Jeep dealer. And God bless, Lord, we just thank you for that Jeep dealer. And I just pray you help them with their customer service in Jesus' name. And so, and so three days we were without a car. And uh, they gave us a, a rental. This is all happening with, within the same week, right? And, and expenses that are happening, and they're telling me the cost of what this all going to happen. And then, just one more thing I need to add to this. This week, a rock hit my truck and, and totally destroyed the front of the, of the truck. So there is actual a line. And then, did I tell you that we have conference this week? And everything's happening at once. And here's the question. What do you do, Phil? I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep moving forward. Yeah, that, that's, what, that's what you got to do. And I'm going to tell you why. I can't just lay in bed, like, right, in the fetal position with my thumb in my mouth. There are people who are depending on me. There are people who are flying in for this conference. I can't just give up. Here's what I need to do. I need to keep moving forward in the grace of God. And this is what I see with people that are, are growing and getting to that place where God wants them to be is they keep moving forward. Now, listen, I just want you to think about this. The children of Israel have an obstacle in front of them, and then they have enemies behind them. What do you do? The Bible says that God said, listen, you're going to walk, you're going to walk through this sea on dry ground. Well, I don't see any dry ground. Here's what I want to tell you, because they felt trapped. I don't know if you've ever felt trapped. I felt trapped this week. I just felt like, oh, my God, I just wish all, you know, something just go, I just wish this would stop. I even went, and the guy's like, don't shut off the fans. And I'm like, I'm going to go shut that fan off. I just want everything to stop. You feel trapped. There's nothing I could do. I'm not, I'm not really a handyman. Well, I kind of am. If I'm working with a contractor, I can hand him the tools. So I'm somewhat of that. But what do you do when you feel trapped? Here's what you do is you listen to what God says and you start seeing through the eye of faith that God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. If God says that he's going to open up that Red Sea and you're going to walk across on dry, crown, on dry ground, you may just be seeing the Red Sea, but God sees a dry path through the Red Sea. So if God's seeing a dry path, I want to see what God sees and I'm going to move forward and agree with God and I'm going to move forward. 
The Bible says that faith, right? Uh, uh, we walk by faith, not by sight. And let me just tell you, I love what Isaiah says. The book of Isaiah says that he can make a way in the wilderness and put rivers in the desert. And you may feel like right now you're in a desert place. I just want to encourage you. God can bring rivers to the desert because he is the God that we serve. He can do it. And you're going to get there. Woo! You are going to get there. But see, you got to start seeing possibility. You know, it's funny with this whole thing with the contractor. We're still not done. All of the carpet upstairs has to be replaced. You know what that means? We have to move all the furniture. We're not done. And guess what? Did I tell you? Conference is on Saturday. You know what we're going to do? We're going to keep moving forward. Because there's more important things than the drip in my laundry room, the carpet, people's eternity is at stake. And we're going to keep moving forward. And we're going to see possibilities. And we're going to see what God has to do. But here's number two. We have to look at God's promise through the problem. See, all you may see problem, problem, problem. But you got to start looking at promise, promise, promise. And God had a promise for them. I just want to encourage you. God doesn't bring people to the Red Sea to drown them. God brings people to the Red Sea so he can complete what they started, what he started. And then let me tell you, God actually planned for them to go to the Red Sea. The Bible talks about they were a nation of slaves. They weren't ready to fight an army. So what God, listen how God dealt with their enemies. God dealt with their enemies by them just walking through the Red Sea on dry ground and all of the Egyptians drowned in the Red Sea because God will take care of your enemies too. If you'll let them, you don't need to take care of them. You just need to walk by faith and he doesn't bring you to the obstacle or toward the Red Sea because he wants to drown you. He brings you because he started a good work in you. He's going to finish. And I just think about how the Israelites, like I, we didn't think this, it was going to go down like this, going to the, you know, to, to our promised land. Uh, this is probably not what they had planned, but I just know this. And I want to encourage you today. It, you may look and you just go, man, this is not what I had planned. God still has a plan and God's still going to get you there. You may not see it. It may not look like it, but God has a plan. Can I hear a good amen today? Well, Pastor Phil, when do I know that I'm supposed to not go forward? How, when am I, how do I know that I'm, I'm, I'm not just supposed to go back or, or stand still? Here's how you know. If it's going in the direction of your destiny, you keep moving forward. You keep moving forward. I was talking to somebody who I know who does praise and worship and they have an incredible voice and they are going through a lot of stuff. And I just encouraged them. I said, don't let the devil steal your song because it's that song that you have. That's going to bring you before great people. The Bible says your gift makes room for you, brings you before great people. But if you let the devil steal that gift, and that's what we do. Sometimes we get a little more introverted, more self-conscious, and so we don't want to use what God has given. But that may be the key that can get you to where God wants you to be. And I'm just telling you that you have to be moving in the direction of your destiny. Everybody say, I'm moving forward. Come on, say it loud. I'm moving forward. When things... Don't go as you plan. 
I want to remind you today that God has a plan. And the children of Israel, they go through on dry ground, just as God said, and they get to, a lot happens, and I'm just paraphrasing for the sake of time because I just want to give you some more characteristics from some other people in the Bible. But they get to the border of the promised land, and God says, 12, God sends, tells Moses, send 12 spies into the land. So they get into the land, 12 of them, and listen to this, 12 of them come back, 10 of them have a negative report. We can't get into the promised land. There's giants. Two of them are, are seeing the promised land through faith. Two of them are like, we can do it. Man, we can go in there and kick some. And so we'll, we'll just go in there and we'll, we're, we're going to do it. And it's interesting. I was thinking about the odds, right? 10 out of 12 were negative. That's the world we live in today, ladies and gentlemen. You want to find negativity? Just go on Facebook. You want to find every, every, it doesn't take a spiritual gift to be negative. Anybody can, and can I just tell you, me, I'm more prone to negativity. It's that easy for me to be negative. I have to reroute my thoughts because if I don't, I will be a negative person. And this, two out of 12 had faith, 10 were in doubt, 10 were in negativity. And I just say that because the odds are stacked against us people of faith. You need to know that. But Joshua and Caleb, I love these two guys because they were the only two original people in this generation to actually step into what God had called them to do. They stepped into God's destiny, but they had to defy the odds. I think God's looking for some people who are ready to be different and to defy the odds. Come on, I think God is looking for for some people who are willing to step out and risk. When everybody's speaking negative, we speak a word of faith. Come on, somebody. And even if they look at you weird, because they do. Like, why are you so positive? Listen, let's not get faith and positivity mixed up. Faith, positivity is like, yeah, I'm just positive because I think it's going to happen. Faith is, I'm, I'm positive because Jesus said this, and he brings and watches over his word to perform it. This is more than just positivity. This is faith, bro. This is faith. And over a million people walked away from their destiny. Over a million people didn't get into the promised land. But you know what? Joshua and Caleb, they so inspire me because a million people, watch this, a million people walked away because 10 people were negative. 10 people were negative. You know, God allows us to choose what report we believe. They believed a negative report, and basically this is what they said. Can I just be straight up? They straight up said, I don't care if God said it, we can't do it. And Joshua said, if God said it, we can do it because he said it, and he is God, and he does not lie. And millions of people walked away because their friends got negative. And I'm just going to tell you, I see, here's, here's the truth. Joshua and Caleb, I love them because you know what happens to Joshua and Caleb? The children of Israel, instead of walking into their destiny, wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. You know, scholars say that that destination from Egypt to where they were supposed to be was like 11 to 15 day journey. It took them 40 years to get there. And most of them died in the wilderness. And here's Joshua and Caleb. I just think about them. They were wandering with all the wanderers. Even though they had faith, even though they believed that they wanted to, to go into the promised land and had faith, do you know they wandered with the children of Israel for 40 years? You know, isn't it just like life that our lives are affected by other people? 
I mean, whether you like it or not, unless you're a hermit crab, you just stay at home. Our lives, come on, just, just go to Stater Brothers. Your life is <laughs> affected by other, come on, just go to Winco, go to Aldi, wherever you shop. Try to go to Costco in Temecula, praise the Lord. I thought it was Christmas. Your life is affected by other people. But can I just encourage you? Our lives may be affected by other people, but my life doesn't have to be infected by other people. See, because I can't always choose what happens to me, but I choose what happens in me. I choose my response. I choose. And for 40 years, Joshua and Caleb wandered in the wilderness with other people. I, sometimes I think about that. I was like, I, I don't know if I, can't, I could do that, Joshua and Caleb. Sometimes I can't even handle my eight-year-old. Oh, okay, you're, you're a much better parent than I am, so I can't control that. But you know what the Bible says about Caleb and Joshua? After wandering, listen to this, 40 years, the Bible says that Caleb had a different spirit. He had a different spirit. I love that. And so when this new generation, because all the other ones doubted and died, Joshua and Caleb come back to the border of the promised land. And Caleb, I love him because he, he tells Joshua, when we were here 40 years ago, God made me a promise. You see that mountain? God promised me that that mountain would be my inheritance for me and my kids. And you know what the Bible says? You can read it in Numbers chapter 14, but Caleb starts talking to Joshua and he says, look, in 40 years, God kept me alive. Anybody here, God has kept you alive in the midst of, he said, God kept me alive. I love that he starts thanking God. Hey, I'm alive. We should be so aggressively thankful every day. I'm alive. Yeah, my house is wet, but hey, you know what? I'm alive. I rebuke mold in Jesus' name. And you know what? He says, God, and then watch this. And he's looking at the mountain. Let me say it this way. He's looking at the promise. And Caleb says this, 45 years ago, I was here. I was 45. Now I'm 85. I think the, 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 the correct number is I'm 85. And listen to what he says. He says, I feel as young today as I did back then. Ladies and gentlemen, in 40 years, God renewed Jacob's strength. Now, let me just tell you, that mountain wasn't an empty mountain. That mountain still had God's enemies on them that cursed God, that didn't love God. And so an 85-year-old man, come on, somebody, 85-year-old man and his son, he says, you know what? We're going to take that mountain. At 85 years old, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to take that mountain. God renewed his strength even while people were negative Look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. It says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, and I love this, and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. You know, it's very easy to follow God wholeheartedly when you're in church and the people are around you. are like, yeah, Jesus, yeah. But you know what? When you're around a million negative people, it's tough to follow God wholeheartedly. And Caleb said, in the midst of that, I followed God wholeheartedly. Joshua said, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will. And he gave wholeheartedly. My church family, Caleb got there. 
And Caleb didn't let anyone come between him and his mountain. Here's number three. Don't let anyone come between you and your mountain. What is your mountain? What is the promise? See, I have a mountain. My mountain is that we're going to have a godly family in the midst of a secular culture. We're going to have a godly family. We're going to have a godly son. We're going to have a, 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 a godly marriage in the midst of 50% of marriages that aren't working. Listen, I'm going to serve God wholeheartedly. That's not popular. I know people that are, are, listen, they're divorced once, they're divorced twice, divorced three times. And listen, my heart goes out to you, but I don't want to be a statistic. I want to be of a different spirit and we're going to serve the Lord. We are not going to let anything, anyone come between us and the mountain that God has for us. And that's the determination that Jacob, that, uh, that Caleb had. It's tough. Think about this. Caleb saw his friends die in the wilderness. He saw the people that he was close to die in the wilderness. And they were speaking negative. See, I have determined, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. People don't determine my destiny, God does. Let me say that again to this side. People don't determine my destiny, God does. My manager at work doesn't determine my destiny, God does. My ex doesn't determine my... God does. Now they can if you allow them to. But people aren't going to determine my destiny. Make a decision. Caleb decided, I will, even if nobody else doesn't. I'm taking the mountain. Come on, say that with me. Say, I'm taking my mountain. Come on, say it loud. I'm taking my mountain. Say, I'm moving forward. I'm looking at what God has promised me. You know, I think about when I read that, how Caleb and his descendants, because Caleb walked into the promise his family was able to walk into the promise. And can I just encourage us as parents today, we need to be the ones that set the example for our kids. We need to be the one that say, honey, we're moving forward. You know, it's funny because we'll tell our kids they fall down. Come on, get back up, keep moving forward. But they need to see that in us. They need to see a resilient spirit, a relentless spirit in the things of God that we're not quitters in this house. Come on, we're not quitters in this house. God is a big God that we serve. But I think about what we do in our lives as parents will affect our kids for generations to come. I think about that. That's why I just can't live any way that I think that I want. Oh, I just want to do this or I just want to. There's people that are watching me. And I'm not just talking about the church. That's a whole other thing. But listen, God forbid I win a church and lose my family. Because church people come and go, but my family will always be with me. And I, I want my, my son to say, despite the church planning thing, and he's here, he's here a lot, he goes through a lot. I, I just want to tell you, I, I want him to one day say, you know, man, God's working in my life. And wow, that was a ride. But I will tell you this, God is working in me personally. Parents, we've got to be determined that we are going to take our mountain so our kids can have the residual and the blessings that we have already inherited. Come on, can we give... God, a good round of applause today. Is this good? Come on, you're going to get there. I believe you're going to get there. I think about that in the Old Testament, but then I looked in the New Testament, and I love Paul. Paul right, wrote two-thirds of, of, of the, Old, the New Testament, and he, was, he wrote a lot on grace. And, but there was a story about Paul, and just when you think you've, <laughs> you've had a bad day, Right, Just when you think that you've had a, a bad day. Here, Paul was a prisoner on a boat, and he's headed to Rome. And he was 
arrested in Jerusalem because he started uh, causing a disturbance. But even though he was found not guilty, Paul wanted to stand before Caesar. And uh, while he was on this journey, it was actually a seventh-month journey that they were on a ship. There was 276 people on board, and they encountered this huge storm. I mean, it was like a hurricane-force winds. Uh, and for 14 days, they didn't see the sun or the stars for 14 days, two, two weeks. And an angel appears to Paul, and he says this in Acts 27, 24. He tells Paul, don't be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. In other words, this is what the angel's saying. The Lord is saying to you, Paul, you will stand before Caesar. I know you're in a boat. I know you're in a storm. I know you can't see the sun or the stars, but you will get there. You will stand before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you, or God has granted you all. In other words, the people that are with you are even going to survive. You are going to stand before Caesar. And so Paul has this promise that, you know what, I'm going to make it to Rome, even though my circumstances look like I'm not going to get there, I'm going to make it to Caesar. Verse 25 says this, look, therefore take heart, men. He starts telling all of the men that are around. Now I want you to remember, he's a prisoner, and he starts ministering to the people. Just I want to encourage for some of you that are in this journey and you're a little more mature, when you go through storms, don't discount the people that you can minister to. Thank you. I got one amen. I'm just amazed that a lot of people, when they go through the storm, they make it all about themselves, and storms are hard, right? We hear, oh, I can't do this. I have to stop serving. I'm in a storm. Okay. I want to remind you, when Joseph was in the prison of his life, the prison of his life, the dungeon of his life, he started to minister and he started to interpret Pharaoh's butler, Pharaoh's butler and Pharaoh's baker's dreams. And he started to minister to other people. That's what got him out of the prison. Is when Pharaoh had a dream, one of them said, oh yeah, I remember this guy, Joseph, two years later. And he ministered in his misery. And you know what happened? God brought him out. Paul is sitting as a prisoner and he starts telling the guys what the Lord had said to him. In verse 25, he says, guys, take heart, for I believe God that it will be as he told me. I will stand before Caesar. It's pretty amazing to me. What are you saying during the storm that's in your life? Paul's saying, I'm going to agree with God. I'm going to stand before Caesar. What you say in the storm is so important. Are you speaking doubt like the negative people, the children of Israel? I'm never going to get there. I won't defeat this addiction. I'm never going to get this contract. This is never going to happen. I'm going to tell you, that is one way you will never get to where God has you. God loves faith. God loves, let me say it's simple. God loves when we believe that he can do what he says that he can do in our lives. And if God says you're going to stand before Caesar, it doesn't matter if you don't see the sun, you don't see the stars, you will stand before Caesar. And what we need to do in the middle of the storm is we need to be able to say what God says. This shows me, my, my church family, this shows me that there is not one storm that can stop us from getting there. There's not one storm. I believe actually that storms come 
come against you because some of you right now are on the precipice of getting into what God has called you to do. That's why the storms rage. That's why the, the enemy comes harder. Why do you think, I, I, and I've learned to look at it this way, this week has been so chaotic for me, but here's what I know. This next Saturday and Sunday are going to be glorious in people's lives and in my life. And the enemy, you're going to make... Go ahead, bring on the water. I don't care. It's just a house. God will give me another one. Yeah, he will. Go ahead, I don't care. Give me another one. I have faith. God will give me something better. The Bible says that God, the devil has to restore to me what he's stolen. And so let's bring it on. That's all right. Bring it on like Donkey Kong. We're going to go for it. But you know what? I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep saying what God says. I'm going to keep showing up because I know that when the enemy comes in like a flood, <laughs> no pun intended, God will raise up a standard against him. So I know that there's chaos. But you know what? This week and this next Saturday, this next Sunday, it's going to be glorious in people's lives. And you know what? I'm going to tell you it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Come on, clap like you mean it. Come on, if you're taking notes, write this down. The destiny in you is greater than the storm around you. Woo! The destiny that is in you is greater than the storm around you. Are you pumped up this morning? And here's where we start coming to a close. The crew finally, I mean, think about this. The crew finally sees land. The sun starts to shine. They see land. But the storm is so bad that it breaks the boat apart. Breaks the boat apart. Just when you think that you've had a bad day, just read about Paul. It'll encourage you. And the boat breaks apart. And you know what? Here's what happens. Some start to swim. Some of the crew, Paul, they grab onto pieces of the boat and they use those pieces of the boat to get to where they see that the land is. And here's number four. I think what God is saying is you're going to make it without what you thought you had to have. Oh, I'd love to get there on a boat. But God's like, I don't need a boat. All you need is a piece of wood, and if you'll hold on to it, I'll take you to where you need to be. My church family, you know, I think about this all the time. And you don't know this, um, but I'm going to tell you because I love you. But planting a church is probably the hardest thing that anybody could ever do. I was reading an article and they were talking about the five hardest jobs. One, the president of the United States. Number two, president of a college. Number two, three, president of a hospital, right? And number four, I think there was something else in there. Uh, and then number five was being a pastor because you're always connected to people's lives and the good and the bad. But the average church in America is about 100 people. I know people who've had their church for 20 years and never broke 100. Not, and listen, I'm not, I'm not dogging small churches, I'm not. But what I think is healthy and alive things grow. And I will tell you this, as we planted the church, there were a lot of things that I thought I needed and God got me there even though they didn't and I didn't have it. Can I give you an example? Uh, yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. I'm gonna give you an example. You don't need a building to have a great church. We rent this school every week. Oh, I want a building. God will do it. But you know one of the things I'm noticing? I'm always studying, looking at buildings. But an average building here in, in this area is probably 7,000 to 10,000 
$1,000 a month. Now, let me tell you, I have nothing against that, but most of those seats would have about 100 seats. Your kids' areas, you'd have a little, a little area for your kids. All right, and I'm just being, I'm, can I be honest with you today? Can I just be honest with you today? And that's great, but I'm not gonna pay $10,000 for a, a little small area. I know some of my friends, they have, they're, they're a little bigger, but their, their rent is 20,000 a month. And you know what? God can do it. I will pay 20,000 a month if it's a building that suits us because we are a growing church. But if I have a building that only seats 100 and our church is growing, it's, it's, to me, it's pretty crazy because we're even growing in the summer. And you may look around and go, well, well there's people on vacation. And when you're on vacation, other people are coming here. And so the church is growing. There's people, I, I walked up to somebody in the lobby the other day and I said, hey, hey, how are you? Great to meet you. Is this your first time? She's like, no, I've been coming for four weeks because the church is growing. I don't know anybody. I don't know everybody. Um, but what I'm saying to you is this. God has given us this school right now that we rent and church is happening, church is growing, we're moving forward. Listen, you don't need to have a building to have a great church. God's getting us there even without that. We have about 500 seats. You know, during, during Easter and times, we, we come to three, 400 people. We couldn't do that in, in a building that seats 100. We'd have to run five services, 100 in each services. But so God knows our need. He knows where I'm at. And you know what? Once this thing gets to about 70%, we'll start another service here. But this conference, and as people come, we have room. Everybody say, we have room. Your kids have room over there. And thank the Lord, we only pay 1,700 a month. No AC we don't pay. When they paved all of the road out there, we didn't pay for it. We just make our payment. All of the lights and everything, we're here. God's blessing. Can I hear a good amen? And here's my point. Sometimes God is going to take you there without the things that you thought you needed. I know, I know tons of pastors that are having great churches in school, and they're growing and they're growing. And here's the cool thing. With a lower monthly payment, this allows us to start putting money into savings. And here's what I want. Can I tell you my specific prayer? Because I really believe general prayers don't get specific answers. Specific prayers get specific answers. And I'm praying that God would give us a building in the right location where maybe freeway access, maybe where every time people drive down the freeway, they see passion, life, church. Come on, God can do that for us. But it's all in his timing. But listen, I'm not gonna get down just because we don't have a building. God can do it anyway, anywhere, and he is. He's gonna get you there even without the things that you thought you needed. Can I hear a good amen today? You know, um, about two and a half to three months ago, I lost my father, uh, and I'm still, like, processing all that. I, you know, and I was, <laughs> it's funny, because it's such a habit. I was just going to pick up the phone and call him, and you can't do that, you know. And my dad has a doctorate in theology, and, and uh, I don't say that to, to boast or anything, but there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that I'm, I'm still figuring out. Oh, you didn't want to hear that. I know you didn't want to hear that. I, I still, I have to pray, and I have to dig and search and, I, I do. Sometimes things in this thing doesn't make sense to my mind, and I have to call the doctor. And he helped me. I talked church. He's done church for over 40 years. And I thought that one day, when Passion Life Church is full of momentum, and we have our building.
that my dad would be there. Because I relied on him. I thought I would get there with him. But I didn't. And I say this, I love him. But can I tell you, I've moved forward. And God's going to get me there and he's getting me there without him. He's in glory and I'm doing what God has called me to do and we're moving forward. And I thought that I needed him. I thought I needed for him to be there. But the truth is my greatest need is God and Jesus has never left me. He's always here. Come on, somebody. And what I'm just telling you today is that God is going to get you there without the things you thought you needed to get there. Because in truth, my dad was not my savior. Jesus was my savior. And we get so dependent on people and things at times that we forget that they are not our savior. Your job is not your savior. Come on, somebody. Your bank account is not your supplier. It's God. It's Jesus who is our savior. May we look at him and may we know that he's going to get us there. Come on, Give him a good round of applause. And here's where we end. Paul gets on the island, and there's people there. They're so happy to be on land, and so they build Paul a fire. Start building a fire because it's cold. Paul goes to get some sticks. I want the band to come. He goes to get some sticks to put in the fire, and he reaches for a stick, and he gets bit by a poisonous snake. Now, just when you think you've had a bad day and nothing else could go wrong, he gets bit by a poisonous snake. And I love what the Bible says. I want to read it from the Bible because I don't want you to think that I'm just reciting Taylor Swift lyrics. But here's number five. There's some things that we're going to have to shake off if we're going to get to where God has us. Acts chapter 28, verse 5, it says, And Paul shook off the snake into the fire, and he was unharmed. And the people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided that Paul was a god. It's kind of funny because if you read before this, they saw him get bit by a snake and they're all like, yeah, he deserves it. He's a prisoner. Look at this guy. And then his reaction wasn't like everybody else's reaction. The snake, the poisonous snake, didn't have the same effect that it had on other people. And he took that snake and he shook it off into the fire. And the Bible says that nothing happened to him. And people saw it. And I just want to end today. God's going to get you there. But I believe we need to shake some things off. There's some weights on us for some of us. It's time to forgive. I want to remind you of something, and maybe some of you that are new today. Our word for this year is grow. It's time to grow. And people who are growing are moving forward. People who are growing are looking at the promise and they're not looking at the problem. It doesn't mean we deny the problem, but I'm gonna magnify God's promise. The people who are growing are not gonna let anything come between them and their mountain. People who are growing, my church family, understand that God will give me what I need to get there. But people who are growing and will get to where God has them, they're going to have to shake off the past. You're gonna ha- that's the problem with the children of Israel. They, kept, they were so past-possessed, they couldn't be future-focused. And I want to just say this because I felt this in my heart. 
we're about five months, five and a half months till the new year. And are you growing? Are you moving forward? Are you still handling your problems the same exact way? Or have you gotten better? Have you grown? And what I'm saying to you today, for some of us, people hurt us. I'm sure Caleb and Joshua were really hurt with the negativity of people in their lives and watching people die. But here's the thing, you're gonna have to forgive and we're gonna have to move forward and we're gonna have to shake off the things of the past. You are not who people say you are. You are who God says you are. You need to shake off their opinions. Can I hear a good amen? You are not that person who, oh, oh, all of the negative things, every bad thing always happens to me. I'm just unlucky. No, that's not the person you are. You are blessed by God. And we're going to shake off those opinions. Can I hear a good amen today? We need to start shaking off those false identities that the world puts on us. We need to shake it off. Can you just do this for me just a little bit with some attitude? Say, it's time to shake it off. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.